Welcome back to another edition of Campus Life, our weekly college-focused episode here on Campus to Canton. Uh, my name, as always, is Austin. And this is Colin. And um, have some really fun stuff to talk about here tonight. Some big news, um, transfer commitment. Otherwise, um, some senior bowl stuff to talk about. Uh, we each have a freshman that we picked out tonight to talk about as well. So jam-packed episode. Uh, but before we begin, we always like to talk a little bit about something about ourselves so you guys know us a little bit better. Um, so we have a startup coming up here soon that we're going to start advertising a little more for that is a cartoon-themed Campus to Canton. Uh, more details to be released shortly. Uh, but who were some of the cartoons or what were some of the cartoons that you watched growing up, Colin, that you're going to try to uh, to name your team after here maybe? Uh, well, it depends on how we break down the leagues. I know we're talking about potentially doing um, two divisions, 24 teams. And if we go like a Cartoon Network and a Nickelodeon side, or if we go Disney, and or, I don't, it depends on how we break that up. But um, I was always a big fan of like the classics so like tom and jerry i was a big fan of that uh i liked like other looney tunes i loves a big fan of daffy duck um and then it explains, on the, it explains so much yeah and then on the on the disney side um i was a big fan of Darkwing duck and the mighty ducks cartoon with the hockey uh the like beefed up ducks playing hockey i was a big fan of those too or were ducks your favorite animal growing up by any chance absolutely not no Oh, okay. You just seem just, to gravitate toward that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's just a lot of duck characters out there, so it's easy to to like ducks as as cartoons. That's fair. Um, but I mean, then I also like like you know SpongeBob and and some of those other ones too. I, I was a big Hey Arnold guy. That was like one of my yeah. favorite shows. Um, yeah. It was really funny. We were talking about it last night. Something came up, and I remembered like there's an episode where they're their uh, Asian neighbor, Mr. Nguyen, who like, they totally like raised, like it was like a racist portrayal of like, you know, like a caricature of an Asian person, <laughs> but he became a country singer for one episode and had this like, his regular speech pattern was like totally racist. And then he just had like this huge Southern twang for this one episode. And I was just like, I had forgotten all about this and somehow it came up and I was like, I nineties, nineties and early two thousands cartoons was just a different, it was a different time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I like Hey Arnold, though. Um, hey Arnold's. Uh, I like the the Stoop Kid episode, and then the, yeah. the one with the pigeon, where his pigeon get like gets hurt, and he has to take up to that weird guy who lives on the rooftop. Yeah. They've been saying for years there's going to be a movie talking about his parents, but they haven't. I don't. I. It's supposed to be in theaters and stuff, and I haven't seen anything about it. So I don't know if that's ever going to happen or not. But. I don't know. Speaking of that, though, cartoon movies. I was a big Rugrats fan too. Uh, <laughs> so I liked. Uh, I liked the first Rugrats movie. Uh, and then the second one, Rugrats in Paris. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I liked that one a lot too. They they lost me once they got the new baby. Dill yeah, Dill. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Young younger me couldn't handle the introduction of new characters like that. So <laughs> totally threw off the whole balance of the show. Um, yeah. So we t- we said we had a lot to talk about. So that's enough of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so every once in a while, when you get you get lucky enough where news that is relevant to what you want to talk about for the night breaks right before the show. (laughs) And um, sometimes you're not so lucky. Like we talked about Jared Goff and Matt Stafford the other day on the show. And then like 12 hours later, that news broke and we're like, Oh, cool. Okay. They get traded. Yeah. Yeah. For each other. So that's like, obviously irrelevant, like 12 hours later. So that's cool. (laughs) But we, this is perfect tonight. So we're going to start off here with Eric Gilbert, who had announced that he was leaving LSU entering the portal. 
uh, highest rated tight end ever in a 24 seven composite put up a great freshman year at LSU and eight games, 35 catches, 368 yards, two touchdowns, which is excellent for, for a, a tight end at all, let alone a freshman. Um, at the end of the year, I guess a lot of the people that had helped recruit him had left. So he, and he wanted to be closer to home. So there was speculation, maybe he'd be going to Georgia, which is where he's from and not too far from his hometown. Um, Clemson rumors, a couple other ones, but it sounds like he is going to Florida. He announced today. Um, I think this is a great landing spot for him. Pretty much the best you really could have hoped for. I guess Clemson would have been good too. Um, the only thing that I would have preferred over uh, Florida at Clemson was the fact that we just know who their quarterback is going to be next year. And I think we, um, we trust him a little more than whoever's going to be the quarterback with the Gators. But we know that Dan Mullen knows how to feature a tight end. I mean, the past three years, they've had Kyle Pitts there. Uh, and Pitts, as a true sophomore, true, true junior, um, about 97 catches between the two years, 1,400-ish yards, and 17 touchdowns. So uh, Gilbert going there probably will get a lot of work in that offense and continue to grow as a prospect. Colin, do you have any thoughts about this transfer? Yeah, I mean, I think that was, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it was absolutely the perfect situation for him to go into offensively, but just because you can see the the easy blueprint for how to use him based on how they used Kyle Pitts before. Um, so, And I think that, you know, Kyle Pitts is, is looking like a, a top-end tight end prospect coming out right now. Um, you know, a lot of people have him in their, you know, definitely in their top tens. Like, I've seen people talk about Kyle Pitts as a top five uh, dynasty tight end right now before he even enters the league. And I think if Gilbert, you know, I think Gilbert can step in there and if he has good quarterback play, that's the big if there, because we don't necessarily, we don't really know what Emory Jones can do. I mean, he hasn't really inspired a lot, um, you know, but he's looking like he's going to be the guy. So if he, as long as he can be competent, I think that, you know, Eric Gilbert can easily have the same numbers that Kyle Pitts could, um, you know, especially because they don't have a ton of other, you know, real standout go-to weapons on that offense right now. Yeah. Um, I, I like him more than I like Pitts. I think he's just bigger. He's a little more physical of a player. Um, which again, people always say, you know, well, the, I like Pitts. Maybe he's not the best all around tight end, but I think he's going to be really good for fantasy. But there's also something to be said for being able to do everything like George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, who, um, I mean, Kelsey's not on the same level of Kittle as a blocker, but he can block. And Kittle is one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, in addition to uh, being uh, an obvious threat in the passing game as well. I just looked it up real quick while we were sitting here. Uh, Eric Gilbert's from Marietta, Georgia. It looks like it's about four hours, 55-minute drive to Florida from his house. Well, I don't know exactly where he lives, but from Marietta. So I mean, they add, add, or, add or subtract a few minutes there if you want to. And it looks like it's about a seven-and-a-half to eight-hour drive to Baton Rouge. So he's cutting that time you know, close to in half. So it is it is closer to home for the people that want to complain that uh, it's not that much closer. It, it definitely is. So I look forward to seeing what he's going to do there. And it is nice now that they've gotten rid of that uh, sit out for a year thing that he can go in there and he gets to play next year. So we get to see him step right in. And hopefully that offense for the tight end position just does not skip a beat. Yeah, I mean, I think that 
that's obviously the hope, and that's what you're going to hear a lot of people talk about. But uh, I think it's a reasonable thing to hope and and a reasonable projection to make. Yeah. Um, so a couple other transfers here. Colin, uh, Zach Charbonnet finally announced where he's going. Uh, break that down a little bit for us. Yeah, I mean, I think Zach Charbonnet, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, I would have rather to see him go to USC or Oregon or somewhere else if he was going to go back out west. Um, but I think UCLA is a great landing spot for him. I mean, it, it's a wide open depth chart. They lost their top two backs from this year. Um, so he has a, a good opportunity there. Um, you know, a guy I was keeping an eye on as a potential sleeper, and I had just mentioned it to you in passing, was Keegan Jones. But um, I hadn't really dug into him much, and he's very small. So, you know, I think that his production there was going to be limited, even if he did get a lot of opportunity. But I think that Charbonnet stepping in there can easily, you know, just step in and fill in the the lead back role there, no questions. And UCLA finished 12th in rush yards per game this past year. So, you know, it's an offense that does, you know, run the ball pretty well. Um, you know, they had the past two years before that, they were, you know, in the low 70s and the high 80s range. Um, but, you know, this year they took a big step forward in, in rushing the ball. And I think that while they probably won't hit the 12th overall in rush yards per game, you know, I think you can expect them to be probably hanging out in the 30 range. Uh, so I think it's a great landing spot for him especially to to rehab some of that value that he lost at Michigan. Because, um, I mean, he was a fantastic prospect coming out. Uh, you know, he has great size and speed. 6'1", 220 pounds is what he's listed at. He's got very good long speed. You know, he could be a home run threat there. And he does catch the ball well enough out of the backfield that he's at least an asset in the passing game. Um, so, you know, he has the, this overall skill set that you look for. Uh, you know, he just kind of... I don't know what it was at Michigan there. You know, he had a solid, really solid freshman year. But then, you know, after that, you know, he didn't really do anything this year. You know, freshman year, 726 yards, 11 touchdowns, uh, eight catches for 30 yards. But this year, only 19 carries through five games, 124 yards, one touchdown. So a pretty big disappointment this year. Uh, but I think going to UCLA, he's going to be able to rehab his stock and, you know, he'll probably be in the back half of the top 10 of that class for most people. I think you'll see him climb back up to that range. Yeah. I tried sitting down to prep for the show and watching his 2020 stuff. And it's just like impossible to watch it because that offense is just so, so bad. Yeah. Like they just weren't doing anything. They weren't doing anything. The passing game, they weren't doing anything really in the running game. Uh, he was outproduced by a couple of the backs on that roster this year, which is obviously concerning. Um, but it is pretty crazy. UCLA averaged what 45, 46 rush attempts per game this year. Yeah. Not sure if they'll do that again next year because a lot of them were quarterback rushes. Um, but not like an overwhelming amount. I mean, DTR had 55 rushing attempts and then, uh, their backup had 18. So, um, in seven games. So they, they were rushing the, the ball a decent amount with them as well. But like Demetric Felton had 132 carries. They lose of the rushes from this year that came from running backs. They had 238 running back rushes. Um, Felton uh, lose. They, they return 102 of them. So there's 42.8% of the carries coming back. You have to figure that void. That's, you know, 58% more or less there that uh, Charbonnet picks up most of those. Um, I, I still like have some hope for Charbonnet. Um, he is very, 
He's very Leonard Fournette-esque in his athletic ability. I don't think he's quite the level of athletes that Fournette was, but he is that same kind of broad-shouldered, bigger upper half kind of guy. He has very small lower legs, which actually like is concerning. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't have like that perfect RB build that you want. Because you hear like six foot two twenty and you're like, oh, this guy's a tank. And you look at him, he's got these little baby legs, and you're like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Maybe UCLA can get him uh get him to not skip leg day. Yeah, yeah. I so uh, but uh, yeah, I think where you just said like he's probably gonna be on the back end of the top ten for that class, I think is probably where he'll be. Um and it wouldn't shock me now if he stays for the full four depending on yeah. what happens next year. I could see him staying two years at UCLA because I think he, unless he like totally blows it out of the water this year, I think he almost needs two years to kind of recoup some of that stock that he's lost over the past year or so. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, if you're, if I own Zach Charbonnet right now, like I'm obviously holding, uh, but I do, I think he has solid future potential there as an NFL back. Um, just gonna say he has a size and speed specimen there. And you know, he's, he does have little baby legs, but he is fairly physical, um, you know, from with at least like, you know, he'll lower his shoulder. He can take some hits there, bounce off some guys. Um, and then, like I said, his his ability in the passing game is is good. Um, it may never be a true weapon, but I think he can he's an asset. Um, and 24 seven sports in their freshman profile or their uh, you know, freshman profile for him. They said he had a great work ethic. He was a high character guy. So. I don't know what happened at Michigan, but I think if he goes to UCLA, um, you know, and if you see that work ethic and the, and the high character, uh, you know, he could really, really turn it around and he could really work out well there, I think. So I'm holding him, but if there's somebody who doesn't believe in him, I would also be looking to acquire him right now. Cause yeah. I think somebody might say, okay, here's a chance for me to sell. And they might be looking to get out from him. He, I think his stock is at the point where he's almost like a throw in in deals now. Like I just yeah. completed that one that we talked about on the last show. And I right. like, I was like, well, would you toss in Charbonnet? And they were like, yeah, like that's, that's the, the, the type of player that he's considered right now. And I think even if he never does anything in, in the NFL, he's going to like in a C2C, he's going to pu- put up a ton of points at UCLA the next couple of years, or at least the next one year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he, he has that profile. Like everybody was really high on him. He was the number four running back in that class. He was a four-star guy. So, you know, he's a name out there for sure. And everybody was hyped on him. So I think that, you know, if he, I I think he's going to rehab that stock there. And I think this is a good time to buy. Yeah. Well, another guy that, uh, another running back, another 2022 running back. Wow. The similarities are just (laughs) outrageous that that's about all the similarities they have but another guy that's transferring from that class that probably needs to rehab his stock a little bit is eric gray who is going to oklahoma um this one happened um what last tuesday last wednesday so it's obviously this is a little bit of a late reaction but it would have felt weird not talking about it on the show so um just a little bit about it i guess um gray was a tennessee obviously that it's like Chernobyl there in Knoxville and everyone's kind of trying to get out. So he pretty quickly popped in the portal and then decided that he was going to Oklahoma. Um, I, uh, we've talked a lot about Eric Gray on this show, or at least a decent amount. And what we think of him as a player, they, there's, there's kind of something lacking there. I wish my big thing is I just wish he was a better athlete because he's undersized. If he was a little right. bit better an athlete, I'd feel a lot better about projecting him to the NFL because he is a pretty good pass catcher. Um, he can do a little bit between the tackles, so he is versatile. He's just 5'10", 205, 
And at that size, I want you to just be out athleting guys. And he does not really do that. Um, Oklahoma should be a pretty good spot for him though. I don't love it. Like, I think I hear people out there like just absolutely love this landing spot and I think it's fine. It, it doesn't like blow me away or anything. Um, a, because they have a lot of other guys there. They have Kennedy Brooks who opted out last year, but is coming back this year. Uh, I think both player and coach have confirmed that, uh, his last year that he played, he had 155 carries for just over a thousand yards and six touchdowns. And he's a decent pass catcher as well. He's 5'11", 214. They have Marcus Major, who is the biggest back on the roster at 5'11", 224, which actually surprised me. I thought Brooks was bigger than Major by like looking at them, but Major is bigger, or at least weighs a little bit more. He had 35, 187, and 3 this past year. Um, and then they have Seth McGowan, who was the true freshman last year, and he put up 58, 370, and 3. So, and as those number, like as those carry totals kind of suggest – my my other big hang up on this situation is that they're not going to give him a ton of touches. They rotate the backs there like crazy. So for somebody who I thought, in my opinion, never blew me away at Tennessee, like if he had done that and then he was just going to Oklahoma to be in a good offense where he could just kind of get limited touches, keep his um, value what it was, and then kind of coast into the NFL after next year, I would have really understood that but I don't think he's the, he's shown enough to be considered that level of a player. And I'm not sure Oklahoma is quite going to give him the platform to really show that he is like an every down back, which is probably the biggest question about him or that uh, like I, I, he almost has to stay there two years unless he's, you know, again, just trying to keep tread off the tires, go there for a year and then get out. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that that's a good point. Uh, that's definitely something he might be he might be doing uh, is just trying to go somewhere where he'll still be in the national spotlight, but he can not necessarily take it easy, but he doesn't have to shoulder all of the load uh, because you know they Oklahoma does like you said distribute the carries pretty evenly. Um, I mean, this past year, Ramondre Stevenson led them, but he only had 101 carries. TJ Pledger, 95. McGowan at 58. Major at 35. So they split the the ball up there a lot. Um, You know, the year before that, uh, Kennedy Brooks led them 155 carries. But, you know, that was also because Trey Sermon got hurt. Um, You got to expect more carries out of him if he had he been healthy he only had 54 the Andre stevenson had 64 but he did get suspended was i think the last two games last year mm, i think might have just been one but either way i mean yeah either it way. wasn't yeah yeah so he missed a game or two there um and then jalen hurts obviously like led the team in, in rush attempts last year but that's that you're not going to see that out of rattler so that's kind of an outlier um but i think I think you're right there in that Gray isn't going to really have, I don't think, the opportunity to shine there. Um, you know, you just Oklahoma doesn't use their running backs the best. And I think that he definitely could have gone somewhere else and been a lot more of a focal point in the offense. So I guess it depends on what he's thinking. And maybe he is thinking to try and save some tire uh, tread on the tires, like you said. But I think that's going to drop him down the the ranks a little bit honestly i think you're going to start to see everybody's hyped on it now but i think you're going to start to see as next year goes on and he doesn't really pop you're going to start to see him get jumped by a bunch of people yeah who was the last back at oklahoma that like they gave the majority of touches to joe mixon 
Because Mixon, um, so Mixon God. left in 2016, and then Riley came in in 2017. Riley's yeah. first year, they ran the ball a ton. Rodney Anderson had 188 carries, but even then, like Trey Sermon had 121. Abdul Adams had 59. Baker ran it 100 times. Um, so they, they always spread the carries out. I guess you're hoping for that best case scenario where it's basically 188 and 121 if you're Eric Gray, but I think the past couple years make you think that that probably is not going to happen. Yeah. I think another thing too that this hurts is puts a, d- a bit of a damper on my uh, Marcus Major love. Um, he was definitely a guy I was going to be keeping an eye on uh, for this next year. He was a guy I was very interested in because I don't really like McGowan all that much. Um, Brooks is coming back, but he just took a whole year off, and I didn't particularly love him anyway. He was worse than Trey Sermon there, so why would I? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like looking at the two, like I, I'm not sure why. I, yeah, I, I don't love Brooks. Yeah, so Marcus Major was the guy I was definitely the most intrigued by there. And I think you could still see Major handle a lot of work just because he is the bigger, ba- the biggest back on the roster at 224 pounds. And Gray is at 205. So, you know, you could see a bit of a one-two punch with them, I think. So, you know, they could both potentially have really good years and make us look stupid. <laughs> but I... I think that it's just going to be kind of a mess overall. There are going to be a lot of a lot of guys getting carries. It's going to be a lot of backfields like that next year. I think it's yeah. just going to be a weird year for college football. Um, so if you have a, a bell cow power five running back on your roster and a C2C, um, you might you might be seeing some pretty decent value out of those guys next year. Yeah, yeah Brees Hall is going to be uh, a big he's – he's going to be easily the, the number one running back next year for college football. Um, you know, and I know. he's Bijan. I still, I think, I still think Bijan's going to put up a ton of yards in that Sark offense. I think, I think he will too. But I think, you know, if you see them bring somebody else in, um, that's because there's still some guys out there in the transfer portal. Um, so they could bring somebody else in. But I do think he's going to be a close second. Yeah. Um, speaking of backfields that are a little bit overcrowded, perhaps um, Oregon kind of snagged the last bigger fish in this year's class. Uh, really only LJ Johnson left that hasn't declared anywhere. That is uh, like uh, of the top, you know, significant guys. Um, Byron, yeah, Byron Cardwell going to the Ducks, chose them over a couple other West Coast schools. Uh, what do you think of that player and that situation, Colin? Um, I, so I'll start with, with the player. Um, I, I do like Major a lot. Uh, not major, I'm sorry. Uh, Cardwell a lot. You know, he's got great size, six foot two oh three, but I think he sh- he looks like he can add like a nice 10, 15 pounds in a college weight program pretty easily to get him up to that weight range that you'll like to see. Um, I think he's a good athlete. Uh, he's fluid. You know, he's got pretty good lateral agility. He has the speed where he can hit home runs, pick up some big chunks of yards. Um, so I think that that's you know he's got that size speed that you look to see. But I also really like his hands out of the backfield. You know, he catches the ball very well. So I think he's at least an asset right now. And I think he could de- definitely develop into a weapon in the pass game. I think that Oregon could if Oregon uses him right, if they can use him out of the out of the backfield, split him out wide in the slot, because they don't have a ton of receiver. Uh, I think you could see a lot of I think you see a lot of production early from him in all in all facets of the game. So I'm a big fan of Cardwell. 
Um, he does need to show some more vision and patience. Um, you know, I, I don't, he, he looks to get up to, to full speed pretty quickly. Um, but I think these are things that he can develop because he does show enough flashes of them. Um, you know, he, he has good footwork uh, behind the line. And so he can dance a little bit and then before he takes off, but he does need to work on that because he does look to get up to full speed right away. Uh, and I think that's just a product of him knowing he has the speed and he can just kind of out athlete some guys. But I think you see that from a lot of guys at the high school level. So that doesn't concern me that much. Um, but when you get into the landing spot, I really like the landing spot as well. Um, I mean, they lost CJ Verdell this year. Um, you know, he was their lead back from last year. They bring back Travis Dye, uh, but, you know, I'm not really all that impressed with Travis Dye. Um, and they bring in, um, what's his name? Seven. Uh, McGee. Yeah. Seven McGee. Yeah. Uh, they bring in Seven McGee, but he's so small that. So, so side note, Seven McGee sounds like a kid from uh, Holes or something. Seven. Like, <laughs> like, like it just sounds like he would be a side character on the movie Holes or in the book. I guess it was a book first. but Yeah. <laughs> No, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, you always pull out the most obscure references. You're pulling out the Asian guy from Hey Arnold earlier. Now you're pulling out holes. <laughs> what can I say? I'm a connoisseur of um, pop culture, uh, you know, high-end pop culture references. I don't know if I'd say those are high-end. Those are like... Oh, those are high-end. <laughs> I guess those are like early 2000s references. Like, did you just get stuck in that time period watching TV? You don't have any new references? Don't hate on my choices. I mean, I also don't listen to music any newer than that either, but it's a choice call and it's a choice. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I mean, I, so I'm a big fan of this uh, overall prospect and, um, you know, situation. I think this is a good marriage here. But what do you think about him? I love him. Um, I have him. I'm trying to look here and see exactly where I have my rankings. I have him as my fourth rated running back in the class right now. And running back is the one position where I think I've watched enough of these guys at this point that my, my top, you know, 10 or so is pretty nailed down. Okay. Um, I think he is crazy fluid, like yeah. abnormally in a good way uh, as an athlete. He, Man, he's just like so explosive, but yet, like when you see like a very sudden athlete, you don't think of them as fluid, but he really, really is. Yeah. And I actually really like his vision because at his athletic level, it would just be so easy for him to bounce everything. That's he true. could do it on every single tr touch if he wanted and probably not fare that much worse or, you know, whatever than he did this season. But I think his ability to spot cutback lanes, especially, it was just, I, I was blown away when I was watching him on tape. Um, I thought this was a really good landing spot for him. I'm hoping that Oregon uses him correctly. Um, there are, like we said, a lot of other backs there. And I just, you know, they do have McGee. Um, and I've heard like McGee's small, but I heard that he gained a bunch of weight or like he has bulked up a little bit. Um, I mean, he needs to. He can't but, really go the other direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, I think that those two guys are more talented than really anybody they have on that roster right now. Um, yeah. Dollars looked okay in the bull game. Um, but outside of that, I haven't really been impressed with any of the other backs in their roster. I really haven't been impressed with anybody on that offense as a whole. So he could definitely be a nice spark plug for them. Yeah. Well, and we talked about earlier in the offseason too, when we kind of did like uh, our early signing day episode, we talked about some guy, like recruiting classes that we liked. And I mentioned organs. And I think this only makes it better. I mean, we had. They had like 
nobody really that you were inspired by. I mean, Tyler Shuck, I mean, we, we already talked about him, but you know, the Shuck, Shuck sucks campaign here. Um, sorry, I got a little tongue tied there, but yeah, the Shuck sucks campaign. And then the receivers haven't lived up to the hype, like Micah Pittman. Um, you know, I was interested in Devon Williams, but you know, it's, I'm not, it's, it's just like a casual interest there. Um, you know, they bring in some guys this year in the class, uh, two of the top 10 guys. So, and then they bring in Ty Thompson, a quarterback as well. So this, I just think just rounds out the class really, really nicely. And like you mentioned, Cardwell's your number four back. Um, I haven't solidified mine like you have yet, but, or not solidified, but I'm not as close to solidifying mine as yours as you are. And I, but I know he's going to be in my top five, um, just based on the top 10 guys that I've watched so far. Um, you know, he's easily one of the more impressive guys there for me. Um, obviously Travion Henderson's going to be one for me. You know, he's not going to bounce him off of that, but I could see him getting as high as two, but I don't think he'll get any lower than five for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, perfect. So that's, we, we said last week that we were going to do a senior bowl review after we did our senior bowl preview. And we are in the process of going back and editing that episode and taking out all the things that we said that ended up being incorrect. So uh, look forward to the new episode dropping. No, I'm just kidding. We did not do that. <laughs> but we did feel like uh, both just for an accountability sake and just because there is not a lot else going on right now that we probably should talk about the week as a whole. And we just wanted to – so we each picked one guy that we thought – no, we picked two guys each that we thought helped their stock this week, and then we picked one that we thought hurt themselves. Um so who is your first guy, Colin, that you think hurt, uh, helped themselves this week? Uh, so I think the pretty easy answer here, and this is something you're seeing in a lot of different places, is Amari Rogers. Um, I mean, Amari Rogers is a guy who he came into it with a little bit of buzz, um, you know, just coming from that Clemson offense. They didn't really have the receivers that you're used to seeing out of them, but, you know, Rogers was uh, kind of the guy there for them at receiver. And he showed more of that, you know, all week this week. Um, you know, he well, first of all, in the game, uh, he had four catches for 23 yards in the touchdown. Um, but there was a big touchdown, and the two-point conversion that he scored, he put up was big. So, you know, while he didn't have a ton of production, it was key production. Um, and then you saw everybody saying how good he looked in his drills. He looked very sudden. Uh, he showed a really good ability to create separation. Um, so, and, and I think that's just due to his, you know, ability as a route runner in general, which wasn't ever a question for me. Uh, but it was really nice to see him do this in this setting because I think he has a wide re- array of release moves that he uses really effectively. Um, and he's a good route runner overall. He's sharp in his breaks. He varies tempos, kind of throw off the DBs, uses double moves really effectively. So, you know, that was never a doubt for me. Uh, but you saw him have strong hands. Um, you know, he high points the ball well for a guy that size too. Uh, there was one play I remember I was watching some of the one-on-one drills, and he just went up and over the DB um, to get it, and which is impressive for a guy who's five eleven, listed as five eleven. So, you know, I think he he really uh, you know solidified his stock as one of the guys that people are just going to be really comfortable taking NFL teams are going to be really comfortable taking in late, you know, mid, mid to late day two. So late second round, mid third round, I think is probably where he's going to go. But 
you know, like I said, I th- and I think that's just a lot of it with this wonky off season. I think people are just going to be NFL teams are going to be very comfortable with him. So sorry, go ahead. No, was, he reminds me. So I have him rated really, really similarly to how I had Devin Duvernay last year. Yeah. And I think comp wise, that's pretty close for me. Rogers is slightly bigger. Well, so Rogers is slightly, he's five, nine to 11 and Duvernay is listed at five, 10, 200. So, Ballpark wise, they're pretty similar. The only difference I really see in them is I think Amari Rogers is a bit more fluid of an athlete and Duvernay is a little more physical. But that's like, so I think that's about the range that he'll go in in the NFL draft, just partially because of the depth in this class and partially just because I think he is a little bit limited in some of the things that I think he can do. Um, but I do, I do like Rogers. I mean, I really like Duvernay last year. He was one of my yeah. favorite guys going into the year. Um, so that, that's not a knock on Rogers. I like Rogers too. I just only so many guys can get drafted in the first couple yeah. days. And, um, I just think he's probably just outside that for me, but I, th- he might've put himself a little bit closer this week. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the Devin Duvernay, not comp, but the similarities there are, are pretty easy to see. I mean, Rogers is really good after the catch. I mean, it's, he's no, he's not amazing, but it's definitely part of his game that you have to respect. Uh, but I think overall, when you talk about it from a fantasy standpoint, I think it's going to be similar to Devin Duvernay's where he didn't do a lot this year, but I think going into next year, Devin Duvernay is a guy whose stock is pointing upwards a little bit. Um, just cause I think Willie Sneed's a free agent. I think he's going to be gone so he can kind of step in more into that slot role a little bit. And while you don't necessarily love the passing options in Baltimore's offense, just because they run the ball so much. I think he's going to be a guy that you'll be, you know, if you need to start him in a pinch that, you know, you can do that. And I think that's kind of where Rodgers is going to be for his NFL career as well. When you look at it from a fantasy standpoint, he's not ever going to be somebody you're going to be excited to start and you're going to be a staple of your lineup. But he's a guy who I think is going to be good enough. You know, he'll be a wide receiver three on a team. He'll be there probably their main slot option. And he'll be a guy that you can flex start in a pinch if you need to. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I think that's about what his ceiling is, which is a good ceiling. It's a good NFL player. Yeah. Um, so, um, so my first guy I put here is Tylen Wallace and um, which is a little, probably a little bit shocking for those of you who have heard me talk about Tylen Wallace before, cause I'm not his biggest fan. I don't hate him. Um, I have a very, very late day two grade on him early day three, perhaps, but I think that's about his range. Um, yeah, 5'11", 193 weigh-in at the Senior Bowl was pretty nice. <clears throat> and the 9.5-inch hands, which are slightly above average for that position. Um, so I liked his weigh-in, which is, you know, uh, we, we with no, with unofficial combine, no official combine senior or uh, pro days this year, I, I think getting like an official weigh-in for some of these guys is nice. Um, I, I've said a lot before that I think his skill set right now does not match with his physical ability. In college, he did a lot of contested catch stuff, a lot of jump ball stuff, a lot of down-the-field stuff. And I think in the NFL, he's not big enough or necessarily fast enough to do those things consistently. So I think he was going to have to learn to play a little more underneath game, which it has not. Which he's flashed a little bit, and they asked him to do a little bit in school. But it's never really been something where I've looked at it and been like, yeah, I think that he's really, really good at doing some of these things. So he kind of answered some of that developmental question for me this week because he looked pretty clean in his releases in the drills. He didn't play in the game. I think he he stopped playing after the second or third day of practices. 
but just looked really, really comfortable doing things other than just running, you know, goes. So that was a good thing for me to see. I, I maybe a little more of a believer that he can develop now into what I think he should be in the NFL, which is almost like a Robert Woods type player, um, which I think is about his ceiling. The only thing that really concerns me about him, and it's not even like an awful thing, but he had 17 drops in four seasons. And just some comparisons, Devonta Smith had nine drops and 306 targets. He had about a 2.9% drop rate. Um, Rondale Moore had 10 drops and 236 targets, which about 4.2%. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown had 13 and 246 for 5.2%. Jalen Waddell had 7 and 132 for a 5.3%. Rashad Bateman had a 7.7% drop rate, which I don't think we're talking about enough, but that's a whole nother mm-hmm. topic for a whole nother show. Um, Wallace had a just over 5% drop rate, 17 drops at about 340 targets. So if he can clean that kind of stuff up, just get really consistent with the hands and continue to develop as a route runner and uh, work on that part of his game, I think that he can be a good player in the NFL sooner rather than later. So he was a stock up guy for me. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think he showed well, um, you know, obviously you kind of would have wanted to see him play, but you know, it is what it is. These guys got to take care of themselves. So I understand, um, you know, he's a guy who's right at my, he's at right at number 10 for me. So I don't know, silly, know if I see him climbing higher than that, but I think he solidified himself there. Um, especially because the guy, some of the guys behind him didn't look as good. So I think he solidified himself at that 10 spot for me. Yeah, I think I have him at 12 right now, if I remember correctly. Um, yes, I have him 12th. And I don't necessarily know if he's going to be able to jump anybody in front of him. But regardless, still, um, you know, that, it's a tier two grade for me. So that's he's still I still view him as a, a possible um, wide receiver two for fantasy purposes. So that's, that's a good, good player. Um, who is your second winner, Colin? So my second winner is at a position that we tend to neglect on this show a lot. So I kind of wanted to throw a little bit of love that way, but it's not anything that's not deserved. This isn't unnecessary hype here. Uh, My second winner is Trey McKitty. Uh, He was the tight end from Georgia. He transferred from Florida State but to Georgia this year. Uh, But he was named the top tight end at the Senior Bowl, and that was voted on by the linebackers and the safeties that were there. Um, so they, those guys, you know, had they had trouble covering this guy all game, you know, he's, he's a good athlete, uh, which that's probably why a lot of them were having so many issues and why he really stood out because I think he's a type of guy who could be a really solid, it, it, he can play in line tight end, but I think he's a guy who's going to be able to flex out at the next level as well. Um, especially because when he was at Florida State, they use him on a lot of like tight end screens and they use him on like some toss plays as well, uh, which is kind of interesting because that's kind of how the Titans use uh, Johnu Smith at times. So, you know, I think he could potentially have that type of a role at the next level. Um, so he's a guy who's not really getting enough love right now, but I think you're going to start to see everybody kind of pile on here after the senior bowl. And, you know, I'm not sitting here saying I was early on Trey McKitty because I wasn't, you know, I, really hadn't watched much of him until the senior bowl. But if he looked that good there, um, you know, he's definitely a guy that I want to go back and watch. Now he didn't really do much this year at Georgia, 
He only had six catches for 108 yards and a touchdown. And uh, sports reference, which is what I tend to lean on, said that was in four games, but I had seen other places say it was through six games. So I'm not sure, but either way, he didn't play a full season. He was kind of banged up off and on. Um, so I don't know how much, and Georgia doesn't always use their tight ends the best anyway. But So I don't know how much stock I'm going to put into this year's tape for him, but I'm going to need to go back to Florida State and just kind of dive in a little bit more thoroughly now after that showing that he had here. Yeah, those eleven inch hands too, which yes, that, that, that's uh, those are those are some big hands. Uh, <laughs> I think like nine and nine and three eighths is like average. Uh, yes, so, so if you're at eleven, <laughs> yeah, significantly bigger. Um, yeah, I, I that's what I'd heard too. I just heard he was pretty much a mismatch for everybody this week. Um, it's just like this class of tight ends. Like, not only are there some very good, um, like just players, like talented players, but there's also just an insane amount of really good athletic players at yeah. that position. So it's it's almost just going to be like, you know, this was good for him because hopefully maybe this helps him stand out a little bit amongst all of the super athletic tight ends that that are in the pool here. Yeah, no, I agree. If there's, if there, if there's anything this year at the tight end position, it's these guys who are more athletes. Um, you're not seeing a lot of the guys, whereas from last year you had um, – you know, nobody was really that great of an athlete. You know, Harrison Bryant and Hunter Bryant were, didn't show that well athletically. I think Adam Troutman was probably the best overall out of them. Um, he looked pretty pretty solid there. But, you know, other than that, there wasn't really anybody who was a good athlete. Cole Komet was okay. But I think now this year you're seeing a ton of athletes at the position, which is going to make things really, really interesting uh, in the draft here because – I mean, tight end's going to get neglected. So these, if you have your average four-round rookie draft, you're going to see a lot of these guys not get taken, I think. Yeah, we play in a tight end premium league together that's uh, salary cap, and we can stash some taxi guys after the draft's over, and I'm literally just going to pick up a ton of tight ends and throw them on my taxi yeah. and just see which ones of them uh, end up developing. So Because there's yeah, just so many of them. Um, yeah. So... My last guy, and before I say, well, it's, it's Dwayne Eskridge, who I felt like I just had to talk about because he killed it this week. There were a lot of other players that that boosted themselves a little bit here, too. Um, Des Fitzpatrick, wide receiver from Louisville, uh, reportedly had a very nice week. Michael Carter was reportedly the best running back there for most of the week and weighed in at a pretty decent size as well. Um and a couple other guys as well that you know showed something in some of the drills. Like Kate Johnson was it was from what I heard pretty good in the drills. So Kellamond, um, yeah, Kellamond had a big had what one MVP of the game I believe. Yeah, um, in very Kellamond fashion was like <laughs> it's just hot and cold. Like every throw is is just a, a a little bit of a guessing game with him. But I I chose Eskridge because he's kind of my guy here at this point, and because like we said at last week's show. Uh, these drills are just absolutely designed for a player like Dwayne Eskridge to come in and just absolutely destroy everybody. And what do you know? The first day of practice rolls around and everybody's raving about Dwayne Eskridge, just making everybody look really, really bad. Um, but the other big thing for him is that so, I mean, some of these schools are just so unreliable with their size uh, weigh in type um, deals. Like Austin Watkins was listed at like six, three, something like two, something at UAB. And he weighed in like, two inches and 10 pounds lighter than that. So that you get a lot of those every year, but he Eskridge weighed in at five, nine, one eighty eight, And he was listed at five, nine, one ninety or one ninety one or something 
So very, very close to what he was listed at. There's no negative surprises there. And um, he weighed in with decent-sized hands, too, nine inches exactly, um, which we said nine and three-eighths is average, but he's a little bit shorter than average. So, you know, that's like that's not um, an absolutely awful ending point for what his size suggests. But yeah, and I think he showed this week more than anything, like he's not just a speed guy. I mean, he was, he flashed some really good technique, you know, releases at the line and things like that. Um, another guy, I think that he didn't play in the game. Did he? No, no, he didn't. He got hurt. Um, I think he missed the third day of practice too. That's, that's what I thought. I, I only got to watch about half of the game. Um, this was like my last weekend before work, just like absolutely goes crazy. So it was like, doing a ton of other stuff trying to get, and there was, it's snowing today. So like we had to go and stock up at the grocery store. Like yep. we're like 80 years old and don't want to drive out in the snow and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, so it was a busy, busy weekend. So I didn't really get to watch the game too much, but, but yeah, he, he was really, really good in practices. So I'm, he's, uh, his value from what I hear people still talking about him as like a first round NFL draft pick potentially, is still way too rich for me. And if he ends up getting that high, I think he's going to be way outside of where I'm comfortable taking him in rookie drafts. But um, I just, I, I, there's something about this kid. I just, I just kind of like him. I don't know. It's like a gut feeling, I guess. Yeah, no, I know he's one of the guys that um, you were definitely on a little bit earlier than I think most people were, but now everybody's kind of starting to catch up and he looked so good at the, this game early on that um, you know, he's getting a lot of love from NFL teams now as well. So I think he is a guy that's probably going to be priced out of my range. Um, but you no, know, he had a great showing. Uh, you know, he looked, he was pretty much uncoverable. And like you said, these, the one-on-one wide receiver drills, they're nice to watch. And I do like to watch those um, just to kind of get a, a little bit more of a feel for guys, more or less their release moves and their route running ability overall, but they are designed for the wide receivers. So you kind of have to take them with a grain of salt. Exactly. Um, so speaking of wide receivers that are just players as a whole that had a bad week and I really disagree with who you're about to say. So this is going to be a really fun discussion. Who did you say had a bad week? Okay. Well, all right, well, here we go. We're going to start off, uh, our version of a debate here, but, uh, my, one of my loser was uh sage Surratt and I mean, he struggled day one, you know, which probably had something to do with some of the rust. You know, he didn't play all year this year. Um, you know, so. He, this is his first real like action, you know, live in pads against some guys. So, you know, understandable to struggle day one, but I think it was the way that he struggled that had me a little bit concerned there. He struggled with some of the physicality and he's not a guy who's an elite athlete by any means. So in my mind, he needs to be able to win with physicality. Now, all reports say he did look better the second day. Um, you know, he started getting out of the jams. Um, he started using his hands better, but then he got hurt and he didn't play Thursday's practice. He didn't play in the game. So, you know, he had one day of shoddy practice, another day where he looked okay. Um, but you know, he didn't wow anybody. And then you had guys behind him who had much better performances, uh, Amari Rogers, like we mentioned earlier, Des Fitzpatrick reportedly looked really good. He said Dwayne Eskridge looked good. Um, Shai Smith was reportedly looked really good. Demetric Felton reportedly looked good transitioning to wide receiver. So, you know, you have a lot of guys behind him that actually did flash. So that's why he's one of my biggest losers from the senior bowl. 
Yeah, I'd read a couple reports from people that maybe aren't so um, like hypey kind of guys that, you know, every day after practice, they sent out a bunch of gifts about, you know, this dude was making people look like fools that said that Surratt was was one of the more impressive players at practice as a whole. It just isn't talked about because he wasn't um, this as dynamic as some of these guys were in the 1v1 drills. Um now maybe that we we wanted to see some of that because as you were saying, you know, he's a guy that needs to win on physicality and you would have liked to see him maybe flash a, a little more dynamism, but I just don't think that's who he is. I think he knows that. You know, I don't want to say that he didn't work on his stuff at all this offseason, but I think he just knows what he is at this point and is was trying to show teams that that is what he can do. So that's why I disagree a little bit with that. Okay. I mean, that's definitely interesting. I mean, it, it would show definitely like a maturity to say, okay, this, I know this is what I do well, so this is what I need to, to try to work on. Um, but I don't know. Like I said, I just, he didn't, he struggled day one, which like I said, I, you could definitely attribute that to some rust, but then just kind of fell off the map a little bit with his injury, not even playing and other guys jumping him from behind in the rankings, at least in my rankings. So I haven't moved Surratt down at all. Surratt is my wide receiver 11 right now. Um, but you know, I may, I may have to look at that again. Uh, I'll have to go back and watch it a little bit more in depth uh, because I, I knew he wasn't a good athlete going in. And he, like you said, these receive, these receiver one-on-one drills are definitely designed to highlight a guy's athleticism, which is why you saw guys like Kadarius Tony getting a lot of love as well. Um, it's not really designed for the the guys who win with more nuance. So, you know, take that practice results with maybe with a little bit of grain of salt. But like I said, these other guys looked so much better. So he's definitely stocked down for me. So I chose his his demon deacon teammates and Jamie Newman. And there were just a lot of mixed reports about Newman. Like he, like they were saying that he was obviously the most physically gifted player there, that he looked pretty good spinning the ball downfield. And, you know, just kind of all the things when you think of Jamie Newman, you think that he does really well, but it, it the bad parts reared their ugly head where he reportedly threw the most interceptions on the week out of anybody and just generally struggled, especially like in red zone stuff where your windows are a little smaller and, you know, you got to be a little bit smarter maybe with what you're doing with the ball, which are the big concerns with him that he just isn't quite the processor that some people, some other players are and that he just doesn't necessarily make great decisions with the ball, nor does he maybe have the best ball placement and accuracy in the world. Um, the one thing, like his his accuracy deep was a little questionable in college, and from what I heard, his accuracy deep looked very good during the week. But he's just a guy where I thought that he had a real opportunity with the players that were there with him, like no Trask playing, and Mac Jones was there, but I thought that if he looked really good, even if Jones looked good, somebody would fall in love and say, well, he also looked good, and he has a way bigger arm and is probably a better athlete, so maybe we'll take Newman over Jones, where I think at this point there is zero chance that he – catches any of those top five quarterbacks and I'll be interested to see if he goes before a guy like Trask does who like we said didn't play at all this week yeah well I think Trask when we talked about it too but Trask not playing definitely saved himself 
Um, but I know you had Newman above Trask in your rankings. Is he staying above him in your rankings? Yeah, because like I, I just think Trask doesn't have an NFL level arm. And for me, like like the the value on Newman is just gonna be absurd. You can probably get him late third in rookie drafts, assuming like if he goes like pick like 40 or something, then you know that that all all bets are off at that point. But I don't think he's gonna do that. So um I think the value for the tools you're gonna get, like he, Tools wise, he's not that much worse than Jordan Love was last year. And Jordan Love went in the first round of the Packers, and that kind of elevated him in rookie drafts because he didn't have any business going there. So <laughs> I like it, all really all bets are off with the NFL draft, especially this year where there's no um, you know there's no combine. Like we we're down a lot of this data that teams like to kind of get on hand before they make picks. So I think we are going to see some surprising stuff happen, but. Like I wouldn't take Newman that early. If somebody does, then they're kind of screwing up a little bit. So it was. It just, I know Kellen Mond has a bit had a big week this week. He wasn't one of the guys that we highlighted, but uh, you know we did mention you know he was MVP this of the game. Uh, does he jump Newman at all for you? No, because Mond still. It was the Kellen Mond experience, like we said earlier. Like it was, you know, one throw is beautiful. Like I saw somebody was like live tweeting it when I was watching it, and they were like, "Oh, terrible throw by Mond, terrible throw by Mond." And then like, oh, as I was sending that, he actually just threw like a perfect like forty yard post, like hit a guy right in stride, and like it was beautiful. Like that's just the Kellen Mond experience. It's, like I, I don't know what else to say about it. I, he he has to get rid of terrible throw, terrible throw before I start getting happy that he threw the perfect forty yard you know post. Fair enough. Uh, so even though Newman's stock is down, um, he didn't he didn't fall in your rankings at all. No, because there was just such a huge gap. Like it's not like it's stock down in the sense that he could have jumped some somebody, and he I don't think he has any chance at doing that. Now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with you there. I don't think he has any chance of jumping anybody um, NFL or in my rankings. So I, I agree with you. Definitely stock down. Speaking of the quarterbacks, Ellinger played uh, quite a bit in the first half. Um, did you, did, did you get to have any thoughts on his performance? I mean, he looked okay. Um, you know, it was kind of more or less what you expect out of Ellinger. So, you know, he, I don't think he showed anything that we didn't already expect. So I think he's pretty neutral there for me. I mean, he's a guy who I think is going to be able to hang around the league as a backup. Um, you know, can maybe come in, win you a game or two here and there, but you know, then right back to the bench, or he'll get figured out and then he'll get blown up the next week. Um, so uh yeah, he, he looked he looked okay, but did no no real movement on that end for me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um so our last little bit here tonight, and we're gonna start doing these freshman spotlights, if not every episode, close to every single episode. Um, just because it, um, like we're starting to get further into our rankings here. You know, we've watched a lot more guys, but at at the same time doing this will force us to watch more players and get more information out. So I think it kind of benefits everybody, um, us listeners, et cetera, uh, as we get through as many freshmen as possible. So we're going to do at least probably one player every episode from now on, if not more than one, depending on what else is going on that particular week in the news we each chose a guy tonight. We each chose a wide receiver, actually. Um, so, Colin, tell us a little bit about Brian Thomas Jr. Um, so, yeah, I chose Brian Thomas Jr. here. Um, going to su- supposed to be going to LSU here. Um, you know, I don't think 
he's uh, he hasn't officially committed yet. Um, it's just kind of expectations right now. But uh, so Alabama's in the mix. I see Texas A&M's in the mix as well. But um, I would personally like to see him go to LSU. Um, you know, he's so he's a four-star guy. He's a number thirteen wide receiver overall, uh, number nine in the twenty-four-seven sports rankings. Uh, but he's a big body wide receiver. He's six foot four. Uh, he's 185. So he's tall, but he need definitely needs to add some weight. And I think that's something that is going to come uh, because he was a basketball player as well. High level. He had some D one offers there reportedly. Um, so I think as he starts to focus more on football, I think he can add that weight uh, and hopefully keep the athleticism that he showed on tape as well, because you do see that basketball player background show up on tape repeatedly. Um, he has the ability to go up and get the ball. He boxes people out very well. Um, he's a dangerous red zone weapon right off the bat. So, and he has a huge catch radius there too. So I think that, you know, immediately he can be a red zone type guy and with LSU losing Marshall and now Gilbert as well, none of the guys that they have are big body guys. So you got Coy Moore, six foot, he's listed at six foot 174. Um, Sean Boutte, six foot 185, Trey Palmer, six foot 180. They're bringing in Deion Smith as well as the number eight wide receiver, but he's six, one and a half, 172. Chris Hilton, the number 10 wide receiver, five, 11 and a half, 169. So I think if he goes to LSU, there's an immediate chance to start right away. So he is a guy who potentially could flash right out of the gates. He should have a nice role. And like I said, he has at least one trait where he can win pretty much right away. And I think he's going to be a very good jump ball receiver at worst, but I think he does show a lot more ability, like the ability to do a lot more there as well. So he has good speed. Uh, you know, he can take it to the house here and there at times. He's a bit more of a strider, but you know, it definitely shows the speed to at least add a vertical dimension to his game as well. Uh, and I think for, for six, four, he shows good lateral agility too. You know, he's not obviously not Dwayne Eskridge out there, or he's not Jalen Waddle or anybody like that. But so for six four, he's not uh, DK Metcalf either. Uh, and you you see that too in his use as a kick returner. So you do see some versatility there, and it shows his ability to to make a guy or two miss here and there. But he so he definitely does need to develop his technical side of the game. He needs to fill out his frame, but. I like a lot of the traits. And like I said, there's just a very easy path for him to playing time right out the gate. Um, did you say where you have him ranked or you don't have like rankings nailed down yet that you'd be comfortable? Yeah, I don't really have rankings uh, nailed down yet that I'd be super comfortable with, but he's going to be inside my top 10. Uh, I can say that pretty confidently. Gotcha. Because um, he, yeah, he's my wide receiver eight right now. Okay. Um, with a few guys still, well, I'll, I mean, I have a lot of wide receivers still to watch just because there's a lot of wide receivers, but um, yeah. I, I'd have a hard time seeing him fall past anything further than 15. And that would shock me a little bit um, just based on kind of who I've watched so far. But yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably pro right around where I'll end up having him. Uh, like I said, I don't have anything solidified right now, but I don't see him falling outside of my top 10 really for any reason. I like a lot of what he brings to the table. Yeah. So I wanted to talk tonight about a wide receiver. He is my wide receiver five in the class, uh, sandwiched just between Lonnie White Jr. and Christian Leary. And that is Destin Hill, the wide receiver out of Edna Carr High School in New Orleans, Louisiana. 
Uh, Hill is the number 18 wide receiver in the 24-7 composite. He is six foot two hundred, and his senior year he put up a fifty-four catch, uh, thousand forty-seven yard, and fourteen touchdown stat line. He uh, hit the high school that he's from is a pretty big talent producer. They've they've produced a bunch of low end NFL guys, and then in addition to like the whole list of guys that like you know were in the league for five minutes, they, Patrick Sertan is also on the list. So. Um, <laughs> I mean, a pretty broad range of guys, but just putting anybody in the NFL is pretty impressive. I mean, I know my high school hasn't put anybody there, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, that he he's coming from a place that that is known for having some of these guys. Um, I I just really really like his game um, a lot about his game. So when I talk about receivers, one of the big things that I like that's like not really quantifiable necessary, but I just like a receiver that kind of plays the position angry. Um, and has a little bit of swag and is a bit of a fighter. Like they're not afraid to get into a little bit with, with, you know, whoever's lined up across from them. And they, not only do they want to beat them, they want to destroy them in many ways. And I think Hill has a lot of that in his game where he, you know, he wants to just badly beat the person that is across from him. Um, I think the first thing you have to talk about with him is his athletic ability he looks like he is a very good athlete, both from a long speed standpoint and then just like an explosiveness explosiveness standpoint. He has a very good leaper. I don't think I saw a, a, like a, any sort of jumping numbers for him, but uh, there, there's one or two jump balls in the end zone that he just goes up and gets, and you're like, holy crap. Like I, I can't believe this dude just jumped that high. Um, really, really good burst. Like He just explodes off the line, uh, which kind of leads into my next thing with him is that most high school wide receivers really are either raw or just non-existent route runners because they don't really need to be in high school. They're all athletic enough that they can either just create separation by being more athletic or they run just like a ton of stuff underneath. And then once they get the ball in their hands, they just run by every pat everybody. But Hill definitely is more of an exception. He, he shows, you know, some variety in releases, uh, he has really, really quick feet. He's able to stack corners really, really easily. Um, so I, I think he's further along than most kids are coming out of high school in that regard. And then just a couple other things about him. He's really, really strong at the catch point. I mean, I think with his, you know, he's six foot 200, so he's not like this huge guy. So I don't think you necessarily want to just be putting him in jump ball situations, but he can do it. Um, he is extremely dangerous when he can get an inside release. I saw him score a bunch of touchdowns on slants where he just absolutely toasted the corner. And after the catch, he is very, very tough. He, he, you think he's a little bigger than six foot 200 because of how tough he is to bring down, but he's also very elusive. Like he's not just a battering Ram. Uh, he can kind of do both of uh, take either approach. You know, I can, I can be super physical with this guy or I can run around him. And he, I think he makes the right choice in that regard most of the time. So I think like, I don't, I don't think he's going to follow all my rankings. I think he's pretty solidified at wide receiver five at this point. Um, I've done one of my drafts already for the year and I got him and I'm really hoping to go get him in some of the other ones. Um, because I just think that he looks like he's a really good player and going to Florida state, their wide receiver room is pretty freaking embarrassing right now. Um, not a lot of guys that have developed into anything. So I think he has an opportunity to go in there and get some snaps as a true freshman. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Now that is assuming that he goes there, which 
I mean, that's the, like where everybody's the, saying the favorite to go now. Um, but I mean, he does have what Bama and LSU in his rankings too, which would hurt him a little bit. Um, but you, have, you he, have to figure that he can't go to Bama at this point. Like, I don't think Bama would necessarily take him. True. I mean, because, that, they're just his top three right now. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe he, they back kind of back off of their commit given how many, uh, how many guys they have, but. Yeah. And Florida, like if you look on 24 seven, they'll show you what the roster outlook is. Like LSU has four players this cycle. Bama has four. Um, and Florida state only has two and they only have nine receivers total on the roster. So, um, I mean, LSU is like, is closer to home though. They're kind of the hometown team. So I guess you can never really rule those guys out from going close to home. Um, I, I haven't heard any chatter that he's planning on not going to Florida state for what that's worth. Yeah, I think it's fairly safe to say he's going there. But again, you, you can't ever necessarily say that until they commit. But assuming he does go to Florida State, I think there's a very easy path right away to production. And they should have better quarterback play this year with Mackenzie Milton. Or I still do like Chuba Purdy. Um, I'm not ready to move off of him yet. Um, I'll be interested to see how that shapes out this spring. But yeah, I think that Destin Hill is definitely a guy that I'm intrigued by as well. He's definitely a guy who's going to be inside my top 10 too. Um, I don't have anything solidified right now, but um, yeah, I mean, he ha- he ran that uh, 11.0900 meter time, which shows you that he's a good, got good speed. Um, now that there's that rough translation that they have. I saw it on Reddit. It was like a calculator on how to convert hundred meter times to 40 times. And I think his translated to roughly like a four or five, um, which is good. So, you know, that's, that's what you want to see. You know, it's not, it's not incredible. It's not anything that's going to blow you out of the water, but it's good. It's definitely a good athlete there too. So yeah, he's definitely a guy that I'm intrigued by as well. Yeah. And he's got nice size. Like, um, you know, he's, he's not six, four or anything, but six foot 200, <laughs> that kid doesn't have to gain that much more weight. You know, he'll yeah. probably gain a few pounds just by the nature of being in a, uh, a college weight room with a college dietitian and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I can't, yeah, he, he's not going to eat, you know, he's not five, five, 11, 160. And you're like, Oh my God, this kid has to gain like 25 pounds before he can even <laughs> make it in the NFL or he's just going to get ripped in half. Um, he could size wise probably go to the NFL right now. I mean, yeah. obviously he's not developed enough to do that, but, um, just something that that's nice that you know, one less thing that you have to, kind of play the guessing game is is this guy going to gain weight or not yeah all the bmi stands out there will definitely like destin hill more than some of these other guys who come out of of high school who look very lanky and definitely need to add weight whereas like you said destin hill has an nfl size uh, and weight right now yeah, and that's pretty much all my top five guys this year have that. Um, Aguiye Hall, Corey Brooks, JoJo Earl, Lonnie White, Destin Hill. Um, varying heights, but they all, you know, none of them are, are stick figures out there either. So um, it, it's something like, I mean, obviously if a kid is just a game breaker as a little bit of a smaller guy, I don't I don't hate that or anything. But, um, you know, we're just, we're trying to project a bunch of kids who have never really been away from home trying to, you know, play, you know, they're the the 0.1% of all these kids in high school, but now everyone's the 0.1% of kids in high school. You know what I mean? Like there's just so many variables and things that it's just nice to have to guess on one less thing for some of these guys. Yeah. That's something that I typically look at as well. Like, obviously it's 
pretty safe to project these guys, most of them, to these kids, I should say, most of them to be able to add 10 to 15 pounds of muscle once they get into a NFL weight program, which is one of the reasons why I'm not overly concerned about my guy, Brian Tom Thomas Jr. I think he, you know, shows solid a good enough frame. And again, if he puts on, you know, 15 pounds, it puts him at 200 pounds, which is like kind of right where you want to see him at, at a minimum. But when you start getting into some of the guys who do come in at like 160, that's where I do get a little bit concerned because now you have to start projecting guys with smaller frames getting up to, you know, adding 20 pounds. And that's not always possible. So while it's not an eliminator for me, I do take frame into consideration and project like the projected frame that you'll, you'll see them with as well into consideration. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so that is it for tonight's show. Um, we will be back on Thursday or Friday with our um, Canton Bound this week at the NFL, half of the Campus 2 Canton set. Uh, beyond that, uh, last chance here, I do believe, this week to get in your reviews on the podcast. We will be doing the drawing next week. We finally solidified that. Um, the, it's a signed J.K. Dobbins black OSU jersey. Um, so, and just a reminder, if you are leaving those reviews to please do that, like on, on Apple podcast, do that, take a screenshot of you doing that and then DM it to one of us or email it to us. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Debbie Dietz. Colin is at campus Two Canton with the number two in the middle. And then our website or yeah, our website, our email is the same. It is that campus Two Canton at gmail.com the number two in the middle as well. Colin, do you have anything to add to close out the show here? Nope. Uh, just like you said, get those rates and reviews in because we are going to be doing that drawing next week. Uh, we haven't decided whether we're going to do it next Sunday with the uh, Campus Life show or whether we're going to do it next Thursday, Friday on the Canton Bound. Uh, but we're going to be doing it on one of those two episodes. Uh, we'll do it live on air. And after the show, we'll uh, tweet it out on Twitter as well. So, you know, if you don't listen right away, which I don't know why you wouldn't, you know, you should listen to that immediately. It should be the first thing you do as soon as it goes live. You should have notifications up for that. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll announce it on Twitter as well. Um, and we'll reach out to you, you know, so get those in right now while you have, while you can. Yep. Yep. And um, until next time, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good week, guys. Have a good one.